Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. So we're going to read, um, let's read the first three verses here of 1 Peter chapter 2, and then we will launch in tonight, and I will land this plane by 8 o'clock. I will stay true to that for those that are hoping to catch the altar call at camp. I do want to say what a great crowd. Thank you for being here on Wednesday night. I really do appreciate you being here for Bible study. Somebody, I was talking with someone and we said, well, I don't know if anyone will show up. Well, a lot of you did. So thank you. Thank you for honoring the efforts to make this happen tonight. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings. It's a a lot of stuff. (laughs) Malice, guile, hypocrisies, envies, evil speakings. He said, lay lay all that aside. And he gives them instruction. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many has found He is gracious? He is gracious. Lord, we love You. We thank You for our time together to study Your Word. I thank You for what we feel in this house, which is no doubt the evidence of Your Spirit. I pray that You would help me to teach in a way that is both palatable and receivable and somehow engaging. I pray that we could teach Your Word. We don't want to dumb it down, make it too surface, nor go to a place where it's not able to be comprehended by everyone. So help me, if you will, kind of thread that needle here tonight that we might all grow because of our time in your word. We ask that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated here tonight. So we have a couple of things that are being spoken to us here in these first three verses. I want to take advantage of bringing clarity to this. That first thing being, we are to put off evil. We're to put off evil. And sometimes that is easier said than done. Because those big five that he mentions here in verse one, if we're not careful, we might eliminate all of these things but one. But how many know that it is the little foxes that spoil the vine? One fly in the ointment has a tendency to hurt everything. So I don't want to take care of guile and malice and hypocrisies and all that evil speaking. I've got that done. But envy, envy is the thing I cling to. 
And Peter is writing to them and saying, you have to take these off. But it's not simply for the putting off of evil, but it's that second element of craving the Lord. I want to say this, and I want us to think about this, regardless of how mature you are in Christ, I don't want to just live for Him. I want to crave to live for Him. I want, to, I want to be very intentional about the way I say this. I don't want to live for Him just because I want to go to heaven. I want to live for Him because I love Him. And He first loved me. And He is the one who pulled me out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The song we grew up singing, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song. Some of you know it. Some of you are like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Who can finish that chorus? A, a song of what? I'm going to tell you why I like that song. Because that entire song is about what He did for me. He's worthy because He did it all for me. And Peter is saying, put off the evil and crave God. I don't know how many of you listen to, what is the local Christian radio? Is it 101 point, what is it? 101.9 or something that we were listening to. And so this was on in my vehicle as my kids. And this isn't, they didn't pay for promotion here tonight. And the story I'm about to tell will tell you that for sure. But I was listening to this last night. My, my wife had me on kid duty. And so we decided that Hawaiian shaved ice was in order. Hawaiian shaved ice is pretty much always in order. Just so you, right now, some of you are thinking it's in order right now. Yeah, I, I feel that. I feel, I see some, some heads nodding. So we decided to go. But so while we were, if you were listening to that station, you, you know about the time I'm talking about yesterday evening, uh, late in the evening, I don't know, maybe around 8 o'clock or so, and they were having a conversation about band uniforms. In this conversation, they were talking about how band uniforms were never allowed to be washed. And so, yeah, Brother Lopez, it's a pretty, they were, the parents were calling in of band students saying we were unallowed to wash the band uniforms and so they would go and march at these hot football games. Mm -hmm. But they were never, and so game after game after game after the entire season could never wash. They said, if you think the football team stunk, and any of you that maybe had, had band students along the way and maybe were a part of a, a marching band, where I grew up there was a great community for the marching band, a, a state champion style, but they, their inability. Here's what I want to, I want to just maybe paint this scenario. Choosing to wear evil after you claim to be godly is like openly deciding to wear filth. I do not want to 
I do not want to call myself a believer and choose to wear filth. Amen? Parents out here, have you ever smelled your kid and you knew they pulled it out of the laundry to put it on? If you've parented for a while, unless you have a really clean kid, and if that happens, well done. If you've ever had, I've got three boys and one girl. So my girl, I don't think, has ever done this. But out of those three boys, and I don't want to embarrass them, but I can tell you on more than one occasion, I have stood near them. What? Did you wear that yesterday? Yeah. Once we truly follow Christ, Peter is saying we are not to walk in who we were before Christ, but rather as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. There are only two options, two options here, substance or starvation. Please hear me, believer. For us as believers, it is either substance or starvation. Healthy substance leads to proper health and growth. Starvation, obviously we know, leads to death. Well, I love God, but I don't understand the Bible. Well, you better get a version you do understand and start reading it. I promise you, the more time you spend trying to figure it out, you probably didn't understand trigonometry at first either. But you did want to graduate. You didn't get, some of you didn't just get algebra, but you put the time in because you needed the grade. We're not interested in a good grade mark. We're interested in an eventual rapture situation where we can be pleasing unto the Lord. Look down at verse, at verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also, ye also, it's not just on him, but ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore, also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, key in here, verse 7, Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye, how many have ever heard this verse? Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Now go back and frame it in. We've been talking in week one about him writing to the strangers, the pilgrims, the church that had been scattered, those that were being ostracized and alienated and even downtrodden. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people 
that ye should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, as we just mentioned, which in time past, we're going to talk about the goodness of God. You're going to want to share the goodness of God. If you don't have any desire to share the goodness of God with somebody, I would ask you to evaluate your Holy Ghost. Thank you, both of you. Thank you. This communal language, since Peter says, you are a house, not you are houses, plural. This is like 1 Corinthians 3.16 that says, you are God's temple. He's speaking about the church in this situation, as opposed to 1 Corinthians 6.19, where he says, know ye not that ye are the temple. And so there are places where it's communal or plural, and there's the places where it's singular, individual. And so we must know that while we have a responsibility responsibility as a church, we also have responsibility individually. All right, let me flesh this just a little bit. It's not just what does the church accomplish for me, it's what do I bring to the church. Not what can the church do for me to make me feel better, it's what element... And I ask it this way, you've heard it before, but if everybody in the church worship like me, what kind of worshiping church that would I go to? If everybody in the church gave like me, what kind of church would I go to? If everybody showed up when I show up, I asked a leader last year, I asked that question. If everybody on the team came to church the way you come to church, how many nights would we have a full house? Okay. Come on, how many know it's true? I'm not just a part of a great church. If I'm a part of a great church, then he's calling me to be great. He's calling me individually to say, wait a minute, I can't just push this off on somebody else. I, I can't say, well, that's Brother Gallion's responsibility or that, that's Brother Crabtree's responsibility because they, they sit on the front row. They got to have it all together. If, it, if it's not right, let's look at them. Or, no, 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 no. What value do I bring as a, as a believer? That's why every now and then, don't worry if nobody else is worshiping. If you feel something rise up in you, go ahead and lift your hands and shout unto God and because it's, it's the fact that you're a lively stone. Amen. And historically, the metaphorical use of cornerstone to indicate something of fundamental importance derives from the architectural practice that goes back to the ancient times. The cornerstone would be the first stone laid in the masonry project. It was critical for this stone to be perfectly laid according to Jim Samra. If that wasn't done right, then the reference for everything else would be off. And I'm going to tell you, if he's not our starting point, everything else will get off. If he's not our starting point, if he's not the starting point of the way you parent, it'll get off balance. If he's not the starting point of the way you treat your job, it'll get off balance. If he's not the starting point of whether or not you're faithful to the house of God or whether or not you're a man or a woman of prayer or whether or not you, if he's not the starting point of everything, then it will get off. Listen, let me give you this illustration, okay? So you can maybe have a visual for an emotional hook here. We don't want to build a church that's lopsided like the leaning tower of Pisa, so to speak. We, we don't want everybody to say, well, I think the foundation was off or they built in a place where they should not have built. And over time, hear me right now, he has proven he will never fail. If we will build this thing on him, hell cannot, de hell cannot delineate 
who or what the church or the members of the body have the ability to be. If we will build on Christ. But if we want to build our choices on public opinion, we might as well get ready. If we want to build our churches on the latest governmental laws, well, I'm getting ahead of myself because that's where we're going. But I'm going to tell you right now, while that part of it preaches real good to us who are Gentiles, this acceptance and this allowance of Gentiles into the body, this, this became a stumbling block, as it were, to the Jews who were believers. And it was hard for assimil assimilation in the beginning for them to think that Jews and Gentiles could worship together. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Good, Brother Mathis, as long as he's talking about us. But this gospel was not going to be for just the Jews. This was going to be a for whosoever will gospel. For the person who, here's the challenging part. For the person who was born into this and the person who wasn't. Because while not biologically, you cannot be biologically born into the church. You can be biologically born into a family that brings you to church. But everybody in this room knows somebody right now that should be living for God, but they're not. And they lived in the right family, grew up in the right home, came to the right church, went to Sunday school with you, but they are proof that being in the biological, but there's, there's people all over this room tonight that you weren't born into the right biological family to bring you to church, but you were born into the body when somebody brought you to the house of God. And to people, to people who need it to be about us and no outsiders, to people that struggle with the thought that someone new to God could get recognized over me, need to tell you, that's the envies of verse 1. Well, I don't understand because I've been here and their brain, I know they don't have everything right in their life. Probably not. But hold on, we're not in competition with each other. We're building on the chief cornerstone. Somebody say amen. When we're looking at this, this chosen generation, Peter, what are you talking about? He's referring to that most important event in the history of the nation of Israel, jumping all the way back into Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, out of the nations you will be my treasured possession. You're going to be for me a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. That was the proclamation from Moses. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not flaw in this text. It's working together. Peter is writing in harmony with Moses. God-inspired, God-breathed text. We are his possession. His possession. And we've obtained that mercy because he called us out of darkness. So verse 10 ends that section when which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. And that kind of bookends that statement I was just making. Even if you were born, I hear people say that and I know what they mean. I was born into the church. I cut my teeth on the, but you've got to remember the day that you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And you were, I, I had people ask me before, what, how do I become a member 
of this church. I said, well, there's some steps as far as if you're talking about voting, but if you want to join this church, the most important thing you've got to do is repent of your sins. You've got to be buried by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then you've got to walk in that newness of life. Because part of, that, part of that laying aside of verse 1, Peter was not lay, saying lay aside momentarily. It's Sunday. Put your best suit on. It's not what he's saying here. He's not saying come and look like you're a part of the body on Sunday, but do whatever you want when you leave. This laying aside means eliminate this from your lifestyle. Get rid of this and begin to desire the sincere milk of the word so that by the time we get down to verse 10 and we're reading in time past, we're not a people, but the people of God who have, had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. If we ever, listen, if any of us, I'm gonna talk to me, you listen. Josh Carson, you better understand that if you ever stop thanking God for his mercy, you're in a dangerous place. Man, I feel something right now in the room. If I ever stop thanking God that it's been his mercy and his grace, then I'm gonna get to a dangerous place where I start thinking that I deserve to feel him and I deserve to understand his word and I, deserve, I don't deserve this. It's been his grace and it's been his mercy. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So he goes on, he gets to something which is a, a little bit unique, and it's often talked about, especially in modern, in modern times, it seems to come up a lot. So I want to get to this section, which we're going to call citizens of heaven with an earthly government. Okay? We'll read 11 through 17 together, okay? Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. So he's staying together with his language, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. He kind of ties 11 and 1 together there. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, after he's already told them, get rid of evil speaking. He said, you're doing this, but they're speaking against you as evildoers. They may, be, they may buy your good works, which they shall behold, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Hold on to that there. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers or for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing, ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That is a well-written verse. As free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Four statements to kind of, again, bookend that and bring those together. We begin to watch Peter here in this letter. He begins to take this little bit of a turn with his audience, and he's teaching them that their actions are tied to their missional 
purpose. I don't want to bore any of you. Some of you love this and some of you it's a little tougher. So let me say it in this way, okay? Every action in your lifestyle is somehow, whether you like it or not, tied to your missional purpose. If you're ugly with your neighbor, <laughs> okay, it's either benefiting, blessing, or hurting the missional purpose of your life. Well, I can't stand them. They put that fence on my lawn. Okay, I understand. And maybe, maybe you live next door to Satan himself. And we'll pray about it. We'll pray about it. But here's the deal. Peter said, you've got to learn how to have good works no matter what because there just might be a day when they recognize that when you could have been ugly, when you should have been ignorant back to them, you just put your head down and smiled anyway and kept on doing. Why? Because the ultimate goal is they just might glorify God in the day of visitation. I'm going to say something right now. Your neighbor, no matter how cantankerous they are, I hope they get saved. I hope they get to find the mercy that we get to shout about in this place on Wednesdays and Sundays. They might they might have a real bad attitude, but they also might have been abused for their whole life and you don't know. They might have had nothing but a drunk parent their entire upbringing and they never saw a male figure do anything but be cantankerous and so they've never seen it. You might be the first male they've ever seen keep their head. Man, I feel this tonight. You might be the first woman that they've ever seen that doesn't cuss them back. Oh, pastor, that's not Christian living. Yes, it is. Having the ability to let your works bring glory to God even when people are against you. And it's tied together here because Peter's urging them to abstain from those fleshly lusts and do those good works regardless of how they're treated or how they're spoken about. Why? Because my actions might minister to them. God, as their supreme governor, shows them that it is his will that they should act uprightly and obediently at all times and thus confound the ignorance of foolish men who were ready enough to assert that, that their religion made them bad subjects. That's what Clark wrote about them. I was reading about the early church today and some of the early persecution. Some of the persecution they were dealing here in Babylon, as Peter had described it, because they did not worship idols, they were openly called... Openly, they were called atheists or non-believers because they would not conform to the world. And Peter's right, I'm telling you, the religious perversion of the day and, and, and the abs, the, it was atrocious, Brother Brown, what had been woven in there together. And, and here they are in this place. And Peter's saying, if you can't win them with your words, just do what's right. 
How many know some people just won't like you no matter what you do? I'm going to say something that for some of us is really tough to swallow because you may be one of those people that needs everyone to love you. You know who you are. You need everyone to love you. Here's the thing. Your goal is not for everyone to love you. Your goal is for everyone to love him. That's a much deeper statement than some are giving it credit for, so I want you to just let it saturate for a second. Their goal is not to think you're the greatest, it's to think he's the greatest. So Brother Ross, when they look at your life and they see your actions and they know he should respond like, but instead, he responds like this. And it's not that you don't want to. Come on, you warm-blooded American men. It's not that you don't want to rip their head off. Some of you are the personality that you learned, you just need to go for a walk. Or you just need to go for a drive. Why are you doing that? So no one dies. So, so that everybody lives tonight. I'm going to go for a drive. I'm going, I'm, I'm getting away. How many know at work sometimes you can't go away? So instead, I'm just gonna go to the water cooler and I'm gonna spew to my buddies like everybody else does and I'm gonna treat my actions the same way that every other non-believer. Sorry, this is just where we live. And Peter is saying, bridle your tongue and guard your actions. He's saying, when you want to respond negatively, let your actions show. Let your actions show the love and the mercy of God on display that they might glorify God. Great example of this when, when there's kind of this governmental pressure that's on him. We can look at Daniel and kind of recognize from this situation in Daniel 6. If you think about it, in the, the lion's den situation. Well, if God was in this, I wouldn't have to deal with the persecution of it. I got a whole book to prove that's wrong thinking. Well, if, if, if God really loved me, I wouldn't deal with that. You may have to deal with the pit, but he can shut the mouth of the lion when you do. Well, why would you do that if you're, if you're in Daniel's spot? Why would you do this? Because in this scenario, only God gets the glory for this. They'll talk about Daniel, but we'll glorify God because we know it. While it might have been Daniel's actions that withstood, it was God's intervention that kept Daniel from becoming dinner. Amen? Well, I, I don't know if I can do it because my coworkers or my boss has eaten me for lunch. Well, I'd rather them eat on you than the devil. Sometimes you've got to choose which one you're going to let feast. Free from sin not free to sin. That's what Peter really tells him here, and it seems kind of odd, but that's what he's really getting at here, as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. He's saying, now that you've been made free, you don't get to, Paul would later uh, speak about it a little bit, or earlier he would speak about it a little bit differently. He'd call it this wallowing in the, in the grace of God. Do we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Just because you've got this freedom in, in God, you don't use this as the cloak of maliciousness. You don't do that. So we honor, what about when, 
it's the boss? Or what about if it's the, uh, uh, an individual in leadership, a governor, a mayor, a senator, or whatever, if I take it to a higher level? Please hear me right now. We should honor the office even if we don't honor the individual. Well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, this Bible says you need to. I need to tell everybody in here, structure was God's idea to keep order. I don't like any of it. Well, structure affects us every day. It helps us. It guards us. It keeps us. It blesses us. Well, I don't, I don't like him. Pray for him. Let me talk to every believer in the room right now, okay? You don't, maybe you don't like that political leader. Maybe you don't. Walking around your home, spitting venom about them, does no good for the kingdom. Amen, was real weak, so I'm going to stay here for a minute. Okay? It doesn't matter which side of the political agenda they're on. Your, their likability. People right now talking about how much gas costs. Nobody likes filling their tank right now. Unless you drive a Prius. Even then. Even then. I've had so many people lately tell me about their electric cars. Stop bragging. Get me back into the envies of verse 1. But if we're not careful, we can take something as simple as the pump and make it become the negative filter through which everything else we... Hey, I'm not happy about the gas prices, but I'm going to tell you right now, if your happiness rises and falls on the... If your whole day is shot because your team lost... Well, I got the opportunity the other day to be downtown and pray with the mayor. I was so thankful for that invitation. The mayor told me he wanted to come to Calvary Tabernacle. I thought, I want you to come to Calvary Tabernacle. I think that'd be incredible. But here's the end of that. You want to know why? Not because it's the mayor. Because he's a soul in this city. He happens to be in a place of city government leadership, but first and foremost, he's a soul, and I want him to know that we love him, that we pray for him, that we're asking God to give him wisdom. I'm at my time. Give me two minutes, three minutes, I'll finish. Jump down to verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only the good and the gentle, but also the froward. For this is thankworthy. Thankworthy. If a man for con conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, for what glory is it when ye be buffeted for your faults? Ye shall take it patiently. But if, when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Acceptable. Oh, I want to be acceptable before the Lord. For even hereunto ye are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. 
who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. We talked about it earlier, Brother Gallion. We believe in healing. But ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and the bishop of your souls. It's important when you read this, and I, I believe you already have, and if not, I want you to read it again. But slavery here, you cannot read that through the western eyes of the modern world and slavery as you think of slavery. Some central features that distinguish first century slavery. I'll give you these points and I'll close tonight. Distinguishes first century slavery that Peter was writing to from later that was practiced in the new world that we would be more familiar with. Racial factors played no role. Education was greatly encouraged. In fact, some slaves were better educated than their owners. It enhanced a slave's value. Many slaves carried out sensitive and highly responsible social functions. They could own property. Slaves could own other slaves in this day and age. Their religious and cultural traditions were the same as those who had been born free. No laws prohibited public assembly of slaves. The majority of urban and domestic slaves could legitimately anticipate being emancipated by the age of 30. In Peter's day, slaves could hold high status, high ranking positions, even in local government. They could be farmers, doctors, lawyers, nannies, construction workers, writers, accountants, as we would think of it, agents, secretaries, the list goes on. It's important to recognize that if we're not careful, we think of slavery and we think, well, this is talking, and we think through Western eyes or in a modern world. Because when you really read this letter and you look at slaves as Peter's writing to in the appropriate time frame, it's always who's he writing to, what was God inspiring, and what is the application for our life. And honestly, the way that we work right now Actual employment in today's culture is much more closely related, one could argue, to the slaves he's writing about in 1 Peter. The way we work to live. And he's saying in all this, when you go into the workforce and they're against you, when you go in place and they try to say you're a slanderer or an evildoer, just let your actions prove that God is good. I'm convinced that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And our words will fall short when our actions won't stop. Stand with me tonight. Pastor, what do, I, what do I do? Because I'm a, I'm a believer, but I'm dealing with a job a situation. I'm serving in a role right now that's very difficult. I think you need to ask some questions. Did God give me this job or I, did I choose this job without asking him? 
And if you're able to answer question one with, I think God opened this door and God put me here, then I think the second question needs to be not the second prayer, God, get me out of this. The second question needs to be, God, what are you trying to accomplish through this? Because if you're trying to accomplish something through this, then help me to be a servant that's usable. Are you trying to teach someone else something? Are you trying to reach for my boss? Are you trying to reach for my coworker? If so, give me the strength and let my actions prove that I'm a believer. God, we need your help if we're going to do this. Because it really seems like Peter is asking a lofty, a lofty goal. But if he could ask it in that world, in that time, I think it's obvious that you're asking us now in this living word to be living stones. That it might be obvious that we, members of Calvary Tabernacle, communal in our gathering, but individual in our own, in our own homes, in our own beliefs, that we would be those lively stones that are built on the chief cornerstone, that we would put away those evil things from our life that would be representation or representative of the lusts of the flesh and help us to desire the sincere milk of your word. Help us to have that newborn babe craving to desire your word. If we have lost craving for your word, give it back to us. If we have lost craving and honor for your presence, Put it back in us. If we have been dealing with hardships through whether it's uh, our job situation or a family situation or maybe our own ideology or the sociology that we're immersed in and, and, and we've kind of gotten on the track or in the rut of, of being aggravated by local government or, or different conspiracies that roll around. Help us, God, to get our focus back onto how our actions are affecting others that they might glorify you. We pray for your help because we cannot do it on our own. But if we will use your word as our map and if we will let your spirit give us our strength, then we know we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen.